Hi, this is Ryan, and thank you for joining us here on I Missed It. We want to hear your opinions, too. You can find us over on Twitter at I Missed It Pod. Let us know if you're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer along with us, whether it's for the first time, like me, or the fifth time, like Brittany. This show would not exist as part of the Ghostlight Media Network without the support of our patrons. You can find the rest of the network shows over at ghostlightmedia.net. Please take a minute and rate and review this podcast and whatever podcatcher will let you. It really means a lot to us. That's all for now. Enjoy the show. Welcome to I Missed It, the podcast where we watch a show that one of us wanted to watch again, and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan, and I missed it. And I'm Brittany, and I didn't. No, you did not. You're the whole reason behind this. So this is Buffy, season one, still on season one, episode nine, which is The Puppet Show. Man, every single episode, I'm like, all right, maybe this one will be, you know, normal. It's a science fiction show or a fantasy Yeah. Oh, I can't speak fantasy show. I keep waiting for like an episode that's like, hey, this is what I signed up for. Nope, apparently I signed up for this. I mean, yeah. It's whack. It's just whack. And it doesn't, uh, yeah. no. We haven't had a good just vampire episode in a hot minute. Yeah, all of the good vampire episodes are the ones with Angel. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the puppet show, the IMDb summary is, Buffy suspects that a ventriloquist dummy may be harvesting organs from classmates performing in a talent show. And you would give this episode a... Um, I don't know, probably about like a seven. I was going to say seven. Yeah, I'd say seven. It was better than others, but it wasn't the best one. It was yeah. It was a Buffy episode. Yeah, I don't like dummies. I think they're creepy. This is very goosebumps for me. I had the same note. I wrote down, <laughs> I wanted to know if uh, this is... Uh, inspired by Goosebumps, or if Goosebumps inspired this, or what the timeline was. I have I, to imagine Goosebumps came first. I would imagine. I, I would be shocked know. if this inspired that Goosebumps episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the other way around. Goosebumps yeah. first, and they went, hey, what if we did a dummy? Yeah. But it was a person. Yeah. Right. So, it, it's very, I don't know. Ever since that Goosebumps episode, I don't do dummies. I so. do think that this episode would be different today simply because Jeff Dunham exists and he's so popular with all of his ventriloquist acts with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Walter and Peanut and Ahmed and Yeah, but if we think back to the Goosebumps movie that happened not that long ago, the whole... Um, I mean, like, not the main plot, but the main villain in it was... The dummy. Yeah, the main villain there was the dummy. I just mean that Jeff Dunham brought ventriloquism mainstream. Yeah. So we have a more available example of ventriloquism. Yeah, and what uh, that of, looks and like. And what it can look like yeah. without it being creepy. Yeah, that's true. Granted, I I wouldn't. I know that they are 
dummies, but I wouldn't consider what he has to be dummies. Like, They're, those look more like puppets. Yes. Or stereotypes or characters. Yeah. Then this is this looks like an actual person. Yes. It is different. Um, mm-hmm. But it does make me wonder how it would be different if they did this episode today. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, very short segment today. No angel sightings. Womp womp. None. They didn't even talk about it. (laughs) No, not the slightest. No mentions, no nothing. No vampires at all, though, so. Nope. Whatever. This is a non-vampire episode. So, this episode was fine. It had its good moments. Uh, we start off. Uh, we started off really strong um, by uh, showing the entire world that uh, Cordelia cannot sing. I did remember that Cor- Cordelia cannot sing, and I'm pretty sure that's like a thing that they do later too. Like they talk about how Cordelia can't sing. Well, there's um, at some point in Angel, they meet a demon who runs a karaoke bar. I think I vaguely know that, and he kind of sticks around for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, R.I.P. Andy Hallett. <laughs> that. Mm. Oh, he was that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cordelia does sing later in Angel multiple times at the karaoke bar, and she cannot sing. Okay, so this is not a one-off thing. This is a Charisma Carpenter can't sing joke. Yeah, and it's possible that Charisma Carpenter can sing, and they're just... Making it really bad. Is she Maybe. not in the? I mean, she, no, she's, she's not, not in the musical, musical episode. episode. Okay, no. Then that answers that question. Um, Neither is David Boreanaz, who cannot sing. No, he plays hockey. <laughs> so uh, I did not know that I wanted to watch Giles very poorly run a talent show, but I did. And all the bad theater jokes. Oh uh, well. Okay, all right. <laughs> we can talk about this now. The thing that gets me about how theater is often portrayed, especially high school theater is portrayed, is the cultishness of it all. With, like, uh, the example in this episode is the power circle, or whatever that is. And then it turned out to be nothing, which was fine, and just Giles didn't know what he was doing, whatever. But that aspect of it, and the cultishness, and the, the off puttedness and the... That whole mentality, I just I just don't like it. It might be different for me because I was never really part of a high school drama department as a high school student. Yeah, so I never had that from that perspective. Yeah, because I was going to say I feel the exact opposite. I love when TV shows portray high school theater or theater in general because I can always tell that they're just making fun of it. Right. Well, that's the thing is I... I like that they acknowledge when it exists, and I like when they do it well, or Mm -hmm. when they do it and it's very clearly tongue firmly in cheek. Like, obviously, Anthony Stewart Head knows how to run a set of auditions. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's the tongue firmly in cheek part. But just the... I'm not even sure how best to phrase it. Just the, the idea that... The idea that high school theater kids are weird by default. 
Yeah. Right. And that, and then everything that goes, that goes into. So like the, the, whether it's like the massage train or the, um, the pre-show crazy ritual or the way they show only the craziest of theater games or mm-hmm. things like that or how warm-ups and it's, well, it's all about turning into an animal that you've never experienced. And sure, we do all of that in theater for good reason, but it bugs me when the craziest examples get cherry-picked and used as, this is what theater is. That's what bugs me. Yeah, I think the thing that bothers me is when people will do the, um, like, stereotypical things or, like, have drama club kids and they say, here are the drama kids and they're all dressed in black and drinking black coffee and, like, really dramatic. And I was like, no, I only wear all black when I'm backstage. Right. It's the stereotyping and making it appear two-dimensional. And it's, you know, here for jokes and jokes only. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. Yeah. They had plenty of good theater jokes in here. Like, so Principal Snyder, we will talk about him in a second, but had the best line in this episode, which was the last line of the episode, which is him just saying, I don't get it. What is this? Avant-garde? And it was perfect because... The tableau at the end, and there's a dead demon body, and there's all this other stuff, and they never explain it, and they never anything, and the curtain just opens, and it's just a tableau, and it's there. It's great. It's wonderful. He, and, he, and he has that great line, but it's also like a reference for like the entire episode of, we just did this really weird thing with a dummy that was a person that killed a demon so that he could free himself from a curse. And then the last line of the episode is, what is it? Avant-garde? I don't get it. I loved it. I love mm-hmm. that so much. Yeah. And that is a highbrow theater joke. Yeah. So highbrow. So how well did you remember this episode? Um, I wrote a lot of things down that I remembered, but I actually... The main thing I remember is that I've only seen this episode like once or twice. Right, because you, uh, much like uh, both Buffy and Sarah Michelle Gellar, do not like dummies. I do not like dummies. They creep me out. Thank you, Goosebumps. I mean, that's what it's there for. Thank you, Jack Black, or R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein. Yes, yeah, Who person. is Jack Black? Who is Jack Black? Who is R.L. Stein? Because if someone said, straight up told me that Jack Black and R.L. Stein were the same person, I would believe you. I, we saw them in the same frame in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you remember Principal Snyder showed up here? No, I did not. I did not know that he showed up this early. Like I said, I couldn't remember... How many principles they went through? Well, this is two. He's the second one. He's the second one, and he is the last one. Oh, he's here for mm-hmm. the long haul? Yes, he's here until Buffy graduates. Oh, man. I'm a little sad now because I was hoping that going through a new principal every three episodes was just going to be a really good bit. Yeah, it could have been. I know that someone else on like the admin staff dies 
but and I thought it was another principle, but I it must not be. Because it would be great, like Harry Potter references, because like you know the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor can't stay in the job more than a year, so you know no uh, principal at Sunnydale High can survive past six full episodes. You know. No, Principal Steiner is here for a while. And it's not because they all die. It's they'll, you know, they can leave or they can this or they can that. or And as it goes on and on and on, the reasons get crazier and crazier. I kind of wanted that to be a thing. Yeah. That would have been a great thing. And Steiner is actually, like, from what I remember anyway, is a really good character. He's interesting so far. He's the exact opposite of Mr. Flutie, which is obviously done on purpose. Yeah. Um, Because he's small. (laughs) That's, uh, that's like the main thing. Like physically, he looks he's a completely small different. Person. Like he is vaguely willow shaped and sized. Yeah. Like and, and Allison Hannigan is a small person. Yeah, he's like maybe an he has like an inch or two on Buffy, maybe. When she's not wearing heels. Yeah. They did this whole thing with the dummy, and the point was very obvious at the end. You're supposed to feel bad for the dummy, or Sid. Sid. Demon Slayer trapped in the dummy. And I didn't, but I was also just done with the dummy about halfway through because he kept making the same four horny jokes. I don't know how many times the dummy said the word would. Yeah. The first one, would I, would nose, would mouth was funny. I liked that. But that one. was a Morgan joke that wasn't even that the wasn't dummy. That wasn't the Sid joke or the dummy. Yeah, it was Morgan. Uh, Rip Morgan, by the way. The first one was really funny, and then they just kept going and going and going. And there's no way they would do this episode the same way now. No, well... It wouldn't be a horny, lecherous dummy when they're trying so hard to pretend that Buffy is 15. I think they would have kept the jokes in until we found out he was an actual human. And once we found out he was an actual human, they would have stopped it. Yes, because then you like him more. Because then he's not a 60 or 70 year old cursed demon slayer hitting on a high schooler. Yeah. Repeatedly and often. Yeah. And Blake, it wasn't like even clever. It started out as... Oh, haha, this is funny. And then it just became kind of juvenile almost. And then it just became overt, like. Well, yeah, because Buffy even said something. Yeah. She Which said, Oh, you're, you're, that horny dummy act isn't an act. And he was like, Oh, no. Yeah. She was like, Okay. <laughs> that was weird. Like, just kind of like went past it. Like, didn't even yeah, that, say she was uncomfortable or anything. That she wouldn't just, happen. No. At all. No, because she's supposed to be 16. If that. She doesn't. She's taking driver's ed. She's 15. Oh. Did she take driver's ed? Well, I imagine she's in the same year as Cordelia and Cordelia was. Oh, yeah. There's that whole thing. Well, Cordelia failed her three times, so it's possible that. So maybe they're a little. She's 16. Yeah. Right, because that makes it, you know, legal and better. (laughs) It doesn't, but... No, no. 
No. But yeah, I forgot that Principal Snyder showed up this early. I do remember, like, when they showed it, I remember Buffy um, breaking Morgan's locker. Yes, uh, we move on to another favorite segment of ours, Buffy's casual and inconsistent strength. Uh, She has great lock-picking skills. However, she has very poor chandelier moving skills. Right. So, on the scale, (laughs) on the Buffy strength scale, we kind of know where she's at now. That chandelier was ginormous. Yeah, it was. A, it looked like a fan of the opera chandelier. And could have been very, very heavy. Can we... I'm sorry. Can we go back to the drama club thing? How well yeah. off is this drama club? It's in California. Yeah, but not in, like, a great town, right? Sunnydale is supposed to be, like, middle to lower class, right? No. It's supposed because, to be richer? Yeah, because Cordelia lives there. Oh, Okay. So they're really not playing with class. Okay. Mm-mm. But they but they have a Phantom of the Opera chandelier. And every yeah. time they walk backstage, it was like, there's another room. There's another room. How much stuff do you have? And why is it all out in the open? Side character shout out. Uh, I would like to shout out Mrs. Jackson because she just seems like she's a good teacher. I was going to write that down. Literally was going to write it down that she seemed like a very good teacher. Because she was also very upset that that dummy was gone. She was very upset that the student's property was taken. Uh, However, she wasn't going to stand for any of the shenanigans. Because she cared. Yeah. I was waiting for her to die. Me too. I thought Morgan was going to kill her. Because I thought when when they did the pulp thing and it seemed like Morgan was possessed and the whole thing. I thought Morgan was going to kill her. Yeah. I thought she was going to die too. I I honestly thought that she did. But well, so not. many people die in this show that you can be forgiven for getting one. Yeah, I mean, everybody dies at some point. Um, Do you have a side character for episode nine? No, probably just her. Because Morgan's not a side character. No, but he does die sooner than I expected. Yeah. I wrote down, though, that... Um, and I almost it was almost like my third note, and I just didn't write it down for a while. But I wrote down that I thought they found out that Morgan had a brain tumor. And then I was like, but maybe I'm thinking of a different episode and a different character. And then, like, five minutes later, they were like, I, we just found out that Morgan had a brain tumor. Yes. And I was like, I knew it! Yes, because everything <laughs> is on the computer and available to Willow. Yes. And that guy, I didn't look him up. Maybe he just looked familiar to me because I've seen this episode before. But, like, he looked familiar to me. Let's take a trip down the IMDb rabbit hole. Yeah. Morgan Shea. That would be a man named Rich Werner. He was uh, in a single episode of Baywatch Nights in 1995. Uh, And he is evidently most known for uh, the Bakai, wherein he played Dionysus. Interesting. Uh, based mm-hmm. off of the Euripides play. Interesting. So not anything that I would have seen him in. No, nope, probably not. Cool. Maybe he just looks like someone. Mm-hmm. 
I did remember that Xander ended up with the dummy at some point. But I forgot that it was because he stole him. <laughs> yes, because Xander's a great person. He did make a red rum joke, though, which I appreciated for Dog Sees God reasons, but also because it's a reference you can still make today. Yeah. You can still make the red rum reference. Yeah. Which tells you how big and important The Shining is. I want the um, behind-the-scenes featurette for the day that Sarah Michelle Gellar had to fight a puppet. You know. I want that behind-the-scenes footage, and I want to know if it was hilarious or super frustrating, because there's no other options. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I also want to be in the room. I would have loved to be in the room, a fly on the wall, when uh, Joss Whedon said, Hey, Sarah, guess what you're doing today? You're going to fight a puppet. Read the read these sides. <laughs> and her stunt double goes, well, that's cool. That's interesting. And Sarah Michelle Gellar probably isn't too thrilled. I would like to also add random segment of, here, look at all another one of the outfits that are not appropriate for high school, which was the- basically everything she wore this episode. But specifically, I'm thinking of, I think it was like the leopard print dress. Yes. That was really, really short. Yeah. And her tall boots. I noticed. I feel like I can't be the person to point it out, but you, you can't not notice. Yeah. But she, yeah, she had the boots and she had the dress. But then the thing that put it over the top was that she had a leather coat on that was longer than the dress. Correct. And that was the thing that made you go, oh, that's a short dress. Yeah. For a 15 or 16 year old. Yeah. All and right. the thing is... Like, and I know that they obviously don't know this yet, but the long leather coat is an iconic costume piece for another character, and they keep putting her in them. Maybe they know what they're doing, or maybe they don't. Well, they don't have this character yet. Okay. Like, this character doesn't exist, gotcha. but they keep so putting they Buffy the, in so it. later they'll, they'll switch it over. Yeah. It's such an iconic costume piece that this character wears all the time. So adding on to this segment then, uh, we have the return of Buffy's bangs. Kinda. Kinda. (laughs) They were pushed off to the side. She had them again, but man, the hairstylist on this set, even just Buffy's hairstylist must have been very overworked. Where it's the 90s and they didn't... The 90s and they changed their hair a lot. And it honestly reminds me a lot of uh, Veronica Mars because... (laughs) She had a new hairstyle. She had a new hairstyle every episode. Yeah. This hasn't quite gotten to that yet. Yeah. But it's getting close. Maybe there's an interesting commentary in there on how, you know, even when you have the strong female lead and you're bucking stereotypes and trends, you still have to be so super concerned about what she's wearing and what her hair looks like. Yeah. We haven't talked really about Cordelia, but... Cordelia, 
Cordelia, Cordelia. Um, there are three episodes left. Joss Whedon is running out of time for whatever Cordelia thing he's setting up. So we'll see. Gosh, Cordelia is just the worst. Yes. Um, I did write down, though, that because there was a whole thing where she went up to Giles freaking out about being having stage fright because she didn't want everybody looking at her and she didn't want to mess up and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't make sense because who Cordelia is is wanting everyone to look at her all the time. Right? It doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And then they forced in the line, I don't want to be a Buffy or something like that. Like, it didn't make any sense. It was just... It felt like this really cheap attempt of, I don't like Buffy, so you shouldn't like me. Like, it's like, okay, Joss, we get it. Yeah. We get it. We're on the same page. We understand what you're trying to do. And then Giles said, uh, imagine everyone in their underwear. And then Cordelia, uh, Charisma Carpenter, rather, to her immense credit, had a really good delivery on the line about the teacher. Yeah. She was horrified. And it was well done. I think the best shout-out for Cordelia and Charisma Carpenter's acting is when Giles is... Or she's talking to Giles about her placement in the talent show. Mm-hmm. And he says something... I don't even remember what it was, but something about her hair. He says, but... Oh, right. He goes, uh, oh, what's with your hair? And yeah. he just kind of stops. Yeah. And sh- her reaction was my favorite thing that happened the entire episode. It might be my favorite thing that happened the entire episode, except the very next line is Giles saying, what do you know, Xander? It did work, or something like that. Yes. Like, oh, alright. That was good. That was funny. Yeah. It's really good. I was a little confused by the shot of the ballerina or the dancer, whatever they called her, getting killed. They dropped the camera low, so it was like from the eyes of the puppet but then they also threw a filter over it and they like grayed it all out and at first i was like oh this is really interesting um however they never went back to it yeah and then they also also the more i thought about it the more i went oh you wouldn't do that today today that just looks like a bad snapchat filter Right. I think because nothing else was in from the perspective of the demon that was doing the killing or whatever. Right. So that's why they never went back to it. I think if they would have, it would have made more sense. Right. And it would have worked better. They established it, and I was intrigued, and then they never went back to it. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) the Buffy story. Yeah. At least this time they didn't try to give us foreshadowing of something that never happens. That's true. I want this show to be remade today just so I can watch Willow achieve her final form with an iPad. Because if Willow had an iPad, she would be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Giles would never deign to use an iPad. No. Giles, an e-reader? Oh, dear Lord, no. Mm -hmm. Willow with an iPad, the world's over. Right. She, She runs the world now. I think Willow could run the world anyway. <laughs> Not high school Willow. Later Willow, once she figures some things out. Yeah. Shout out to Anthony Stewart Head for his continued 
great exposition giving and information laying out. It's just really well done, and he has the perfect amount of stuttering or repeating that he's remembering the information and trying to get it out. And it's very clear that the researching of the information is his skill, and the uh, speaking and the conveying of the information is not his skill. And it's just really well done. And they get it right every episode, which makes me really think that it's an Anthony Stewart head thing and not a Joss Whedon or Buffy Vampire Slayer team. Uh, writer's thing. Mm-hmm. Anthony Stewart Head is just incredibly talented. Well, he is a Time Lord. Yes. Well, he can act. He can act, but he's also a Time Lord. He can also play guitar and sing well. Well, when you're a Time Lord, you have time on your hands. Like, he's very good. I'm, I know it doesn't happen for a while that we get to hear Anthony Stewart Head sing, but I'm very excited because he's so good. <laughs> to go off of Giles, um, he has established the taking off of his glasses and it's Mm -hmm. happened quite a bit but it always happens when it needs to and it's not excessive Mm -hmm. and i just really appreciate it giles glasses are one of the few consistent prop or clothing things in the show Mm -hmm. nobody else wears the same thing more than once except willow and her headband yeah it's a nice touch that happens throughout the entire show this episode here but we should probably briefly talk about the very bad acts at the end of this episode because it is not that hard to cut a piece of rope (laughs) with an axe axe. it is not that difficult and they made it way more difficult than it needed to be right because he go he like cuts it three times and it's almost there and then try, and then does it a fourth time, and nothing happens. Right, and then like it breaks on its own. I'm like, okay, the breaking on its own part is what yeah. would happen. Which off of that, I forgot that Xander was the one that saved Giles. Yes, which was a nice touch because that uh, that relationship might be the most interesting non-romantic one on the show. Yeah, but it's such a bad axe. It is such a bad axe. I feel like that acts, though, just goes from television show to television show to television show when they do an episode about... Hollywood only has the one. Magicians. Because I swear that that's a very similar thing that happens in an episode of Supernatural. Ah. Like, they're trying to cut something down with an axe. Well, Hollywood's TV fantasy budget is only so high. Yeah. But also... It was, like, literally that episode of Supernatural is called Chris Angel's a Douchebag. <laughs> but then, but then <laughs> the axe gets over to Willow, who, or is it Buffy? No, it's, it's Willow. Willow. It's Willow, who cuts a lock open with it. But it can't cut a rope. Right. So either the rope is indestructible, Ooh. or that demon is very weak. <laughs> What was the 
IMDb rating. Oh, the, oh we you... didn't say that. No, the IMDb rating was 7.9. Okay. So almost an 8. I haven't seen many episodes of anything or of anything rated really on IMDb that's below like a 6. Well, except that random episode that we found or the pilot episode of Batwoman. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> as of this recording, the pilot episode of the CW's Batwoman is at a paltry 4.7. So don't watch that, I guess, which means, you know, we probably will and talk about it. I'm not excited to watch that. No, me either. <laughs> that was episode nine. That gets us uh, 75% through the season. There's only three left. We've already made it this far. Yeah. But the next episode is Nightmares. You know, the thing that they all foreshadowed to in this episode. So I'm looking it up on the IMDb trivia page for this episode just to see mm-hmm. what it says. Um, there's actually quite a bit on here about the actual drama scene that Buffy, Willow, and Xander were rehearsing. And it was actually Oedipus Rex. And apparently, according to this, Josh Whedon has said that after... This episode got finished filming. They got a note from the network asking for the talent show scene of Oedipus to be removed. And the note said, we realize that it's Shakespeare. But does he have to talk about sleeping with his own mother? So that's wrong on a couple of levels. Um, But then later on down here, it says that the ending uh, credits um, roll for this episode alongside Buffy Willow and Xander's act. So that's, maybe huh. that's how they got it. And it's the only time that this happens. Interesting. In, in Buffy. Gotcha. Fun fact. A lot of the actors would get together at Joss Whedon's house to do staged, or like, not staged readings, but like do readings of Shakespeare. Yes, because that's how Much Ado got made. We yeah. will watch Much Ado at some point mm-hmm. for this podcast. But there is... Um, because a, it's very, very good. There is a specific scene... Between Amy Acker and Alexis Denisoff in Angel, that they had to rehearse after they did some reading at Joss Whedon's house. They rehearsed it at Joss Whedon's house because they like didn't want anybody else to oh, okay. know about well, that's it. Interesting. And basically, Joss Whedon wrote it because of. Um, their readings at his house. And that is, like... Eventually why they made much ado. Yeah. Like, they made that in, like, a, a week or something. I don't, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, so. because they were... Like, Joss Whedon was like, oh, Amy Acker and Alexis Denisoff work really well together. So let's just keep having them work together. last segment of the day is Ryan predicts poorly and I predict that in the Nightmares episode we will discover Giles greatest fear is a dust cover used as a bookmark <laughs> alright it would fit I'm sure it would fit yeah I truly I don't remember what his is well we'll find out I remember what Buffy's and Willow's are and 
pretty positive what Xander's is, and I don't remember what Giles is. Well, we'll find out next time on episode 10 out next week. Uh, until then, I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And don't forget that Anthony Stewart Head absolutely is a time limit. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.